Well, good evening everyone. I want to give everyone a warm word of welcome uh, to our evening service. And of course those that are watching online, we do welcome you uh, to our evening service as well. So we are glad we have uh, with us tonight again our brother, uh, Mr. Frank Diderno. We enjoyed his preaching this morning and uh, we look forward to hearing what he has for us tonight. Do pray for Frank and his uh, wife, Carissa, and as they go soon over to Cloverdale. They're going to spend a few weeks out in BC uh, preaching there. And uh, we ask God's blessing upon him as he goes out there. Uh, I do want to thank everyone for uh, all their help, all that they helped with uh, young people's outreach yesterday at the Saunders Cottage. Uh, they had a blessed time, and uh, I want to thank everyone that took part in that, in that meeting. Then on Monday night, uh, our, the gym night uh, will be uh, also not just Monday night, but Friday night as well in this week, and that will be from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., and then from after that, it will be uh, changing to Friday night only. A Bible study and prayer time will be at uh, the usual time of 7.30 p.m. And Mr. George Robinson will be taking that meeting on Wednesday night. And then next Sunday, uh, we will have, uh, God willing, we'll have Dr. Saunders back again uh, for both services, both morning and evening. Uh, do remember to pray for all the, the special prayer requests. The names is uh, there before you. We, Good to see our brother Ron with us tonight. Remember Ron, and then our pastor John John Bodner, and of course uh, Dr. McClellan, and uh, Serene, uh, and then the Steve Kelly, and then Anna, Anna Tan as well. And uh, remember our sister Rowena, who's uh, still recovering from the, the accident. And continue to remember, of course, Whitfield Christian Schools, as uh, their, uh, the teachers are all on break now, but getting prepared for September. That work never stops. And then remember our seniors. We have many seniors in our, our church that needs our prayers. And so I think that's everything. And I'm going to hand the meeting back over to our brother. Well, we thank our brother for those necessary announcements. And we will get to our third hymn here. If you can take your hymnals once again and turn to 189. One hundred and eighty-nine, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and life and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let us stand to sing the third hymn.
be seated. If you can take your Bibles once again and turn to the second portion of our reading in Jeremiah chapter 29. As this is a continuation of Jeremiah's letter to the exiles, assuring them that it was God's plan to have them for the 70 years of captivity. And please notice as we come to our text in verse 11, as we come to it. Let us commence our reading at Jeremiah chapter 29, and we will commence our reading at verse 1. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to all the priests, and to the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. And after that, Jeconiah the king and the queen and the eunuchs and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the saints were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand of Elisah, the son of Shaphan, and Gamariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye, your, build ye houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diverners that be in the midst of you deceive you, Neither hearken to your dreams, which ye cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name, and I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Let us bow our heads and once again ask for the Lord's help in the preaching of his word. Our Father in heaven, we ask of thee once again that thou would give help. And, o God, we pray for that ear for the gospel. Lord, we pray that Thou would prepare the hearts now for the working of Thy Spirit. And, Lord, we pray that Thou would use Thy Word. And, O God, we pray that Thy voice would be heard here tonight. Lord, have Thy way. Show us Thy favor. In Jesus' precious name, amen. In this portion of Scripture in Jeremiah 29, and the latter portion with what we wrote, uh, what we read, 
is part of Scripture which is written by Jeremiah in a letter to the captives in Babylon. A large number of the people of Israel were carried away by Nebuchadnezzar into a far country. They were told by the prophet to establish houses, and as we read, to start families, and to abide peacefully there till the Lord should bring them back at the end of 70 years. But at that time, there was a great uneasy feeling amongst the Jews and the subjected nations who did not sojourn peacefully. Uh, There was contention around them and continual rebellion. And there were false prophets in Babylon that deceived them, that they went after the false prophets instead of hearing what the Lord had to say uh, through Jeremiah. Jeremiah, on the other hand, had comforted them and assured them that they had been sent of God into the land of the Chaldeans for good and told them to seek the peace of the city wherein they were. Thus we see how the Lord deals with the Jews whom he sent captive to Babylon. At first they despised the chastening of the Lord and loaded themselves with pride and guaranteed themselves a quick return to their native land. But this was not so. Because the Lord had said that 70 years, that the captivity should be prolonged to the end of 70 years, and at the end of that time, when they should have learned to acknowledge Him, then, and only then, would He bring them out of their bondage from the enemy. And this text deserves the attention of uh, three important points which I want to preach to you about tonight. And the first point is... The thoughts of the Lord's, the thoughts of the Lord towards His people. What are God's thoughts towards the Lord's people? And notice our text here for tonight is, "For I know the thoughts that I think towards you," saith the Lord, "thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end." And we ask everyone. Here, we all have a motive here tonight. And what is the motive? Well, we, Monday morning comes and we wake up and the sun comes up and we go to work. And that's the motive for a lot of people. And we work a day's work and then we come home and we go to sleep. And then the next day comes and then it's the same thing repeated over. And there is a motive for a man to work. But in this text of Scripture, it's showing God's motive towards His people. It is known that before the foundation of the world, God had already determined His plan of redemption towards the evil in which He foresaw in the Garden of Eden. And the great fall that would come from the sin from man. When the fall of our first parents took place, they fled from the Lord. And it was the arm of God that had to reach out to fallen Adam. Adam, where art thou? saith the Lord. 
And you must remember one thing, that it was never man that sought after God. It was always God that sought after man. And as we read this morning, there was not one righteous, no, not one. And you must understand that here tonight because in God's plan of redemption towards evil that He foresaw all the events and God had a motive. In that great verse of Genesis 3.15 we see the first gospel message. It's the promise of the seed of the woman and His motive towards redemption for fallen man. And His gracious plan to send a Savior for the world. And even while the Jews with their blood-stained hands of the blood of Christ were still wet, the Lord fastened His promise to them and His Spirit upon them to bring them into a state of reconciliation with Himself. In the Old Testament, you see pictures of Christ. And even before they were preaching about the Messiah, they were already preaching about the second coming. Isn't that an amazing thing? Before Christ has even come, they're already preaching about the second coming. And here we see, what about uh, the sinner? Well, uh, when we were yet without Christ, it was only righteous judgment to be cast into the pit. Have we not also a reason to confess that whatever we either possess or hope is in the absolute promise of His grace which is proposed by the Lord Himself? Therefore, the Lord deals with His people not according to wrath. And that's why this morning, uh, sorry, this evening, there's good thoughts thoughts of peace, and not of evil to give you an expected end. And the Lord reassuring His people that during all the 70 years of captivity, He's assuring them, as we read, when it said that I have sent them to come, saith the Lord. You say, well, what motive is that? Is sinful man to ask Almighty God why? There's a lot of theology today from false prophecy that asks God why. Friend, the mind of God is not like the mind of man, for as the Bible says that His ways are not our ways. And we know here that the Lord reassuring His people that these thoughts of peace, that He does not deal with them in wrath and is continually thinking of them. And we all know of the love of a mother towards her child. The mother's care is constantly focused on the child. 24-7. From the morning feed to the bedtime feed, the mother's eye is fastened upon the infant. But even that, in a split second, the mother will shut her eyes just to rest for a few seconds. But not God. 
Yet even at a moment the mother will rest and take her eyes off her child. This is not so for the Lord, as we know in Psalm 40, verse 17. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, O my God. God's thoughts towards His people are always thoughts of peace. The peace comes from the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. He delights in them. And a great illustration of this could be viewed in a home that sometimes a parent must discipline their child and have to address the rebellious behavior. However, the parent still loves the child. It's done out of love. And the Lord seeks peace for His people. He creates their peace. He sustains their peace. And thus, all His thoughts towards them are thoughts of peace. And as it says here, my thoughts are thoughts of peace. The wrath of God, it cannot be present because it was taken away by Christ. Christ has interceded in our behalf. Yes, we lament in our sin. And often when the people, when the child of God, when he or or he or or she sins, it is the devil that comes in, raise your hand because the Lord's going to come with the iron fist to demolish you. But it cannot be wrath. The wrath of God cannot be present because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that, yes, as the devil comes to show us our failures, yes, it's true. We have to agree, yes, it's true. We are failures. We are sinners. It's also true that Christ has forgiven. Christ has forgiven a people, and through the ever-cleansing blood that keeps on forgiving, His thoughts are so tender about us as One minister put it that our love for the Lord is but a flicker in the night sky. God's love for us is even greater than the sun. And that's a very poor illustration, but that's just something to give you the idea of how great the Lord's love towards His people really is. It is He who made peace possible and the only mediator between God and man, for He is concerned with every sinner. And friend, if you come in here, a sinner not knowing the Lord, he's concerned with you. Because it's not thoughts of peace for everyone. And that's the harsh reality here tonight, is that I must preach the whole gospel, I must preach the whole book, and for those who are in sin, then they are bearing their own sin, and it is not thoughts of peace, but it is wrath. As one boy was lost and he went to a person that looked like his father and he began to pull on his pants and he said, Father, Father, and the man looked back and he says, I'm not your, fa- I'm not your father. He says, you don't belong to my family. And you have some false teaching today that will teach that, yes, everyone can call Jesus Father, the saved and the unsaved, but that's not so. That's not so, because we know, as the Bible says, that there's going to be many. It says many. Many will come and say, Lord, Lord, we have preached in Thy name. We have cast out devils in Thy name. 
Many. Many that think they're on the road to heaven, but they're on the road to hell. Many think they have peace with God, but really they're under the wrath. And you remember the second half of that verse, what it goes to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. He's not their father. But thank God, as we even sang that hymn, uh, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. What a great thing it is to know that we are, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And as it comes to state here, that the thoughts of him shall be accomplished through the finished work of Christ. We know here, God is constantly thinking upon His people. Well, some professing Christians say that, oh, God does not think about me, and constantly questioning their sanctification. And then when they slip up, they fear that the Lord will deal with them according to their failures. Friend, God does not deal with you according to your failures. We know that because of Hebrews 12, verse 6, as it tells us, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he may receiveth. As a father deals with a child in love, so does God deal with his people in love as he chastens. And it may be a long duration of time before His eternal promises are manifested by visible acts, as we know here in the 70 years of captivity, as they only thought it was only going to be a short time. You see, God had another motive. He told them to take ye wives, Begat sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminish. In other words, you're going to be there for a while. Because God in His divine sovereignty is teaching them to acknowledge Him. That God, the great master craftsman, uh, has every situation in his hands, and it may be a long duration of time before his eternal promises are manifested by visible acts, but be assured that his purposes shall not fail. We think of the Apostle Paul, who was a chosen vessel unto him and separated in divine intentions from his mother's womb, but how long was the Apostle Paul to be at war with God? And sinner, I tell you here tonight, whether you're listening or you're in the presence, how long will you be at war with God? Because you remember those words in Job that who has fought against God and won? Remember, Job was a contemporary with Genesis. Job never had the Bible. Yet he preached of a Redeemer. Friend, there's a seriousness to the message here tonight. It's a double-edged sword. It addresses both the believer and the sinner. One is under the wrath and one is under the mercy. 
But it wasn't until God stepped in the Apostle Paul's life and what a great testimony his life was. How long was he to persecute the Lord Jesus Christ? But yet when his hour was come, God Almighty stepped in. He stopped him in his carnal enmity against God and transformed him into a zealous saint of Jesus Christ. Thus the believer who will one day be joint heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ And you have some professing Christians today that are destroying themselves because they are so focused on their works. Because they are so focused on their works and their attitudes come from their own view upon themselves on what they have accomplished. Friend, works are a good thing. As James puts it, faith without works is dead. But friend, you can get very done up with works. It is true that man must obey, but he must obey in order uh, to form, he must uh, not obey his works in order to form himself a justifying righteousness before God. When Christ said it is finished, there was no man, there was no religion, there was no ritualistic practice, there was no priest that can ever add to the perfection of Christ's righteousness and His work on the cross. It was solely Him and only Him. And sadly enough, today the fundamentals of the Christian faith have been compromised a great leading back to man's effort. And any attempt to add it will only cause defeat instead of acceptance. We must understand that salvation is of the Lord and that there is no other way for even in that last hour as the dying thief had nothing to offer Christ. Dying thief had no good works at all. But friend, that's a great picture of the sinner, isn't it? No good works to offer Christ, yet here is the thief on the cross. Nothing to know. He cannot quote Scripture. He doesn't know the Westminster Confession of Faith. He can't quote you anything. But yet in a split second, the work of the Spirit upon his heart, he knew the blood of Christ. Friend, if you come into this place not knowing anything in the Bible, it doesn't matter. All you need to know is that Christ will save you from your sin. You don't need to be a spiritual giant. You don't need to be some scholar to write volumes and volumes. Friend, it's a simple message. Therefore, as the second half states, it's to give you an expected end. What a glorious thing it is when you come to know the Lord. What a glorious thing it is to live a Christian life and to know that God is for you. It's to give you an expected end. There is a motive. There's a motive here tonight. It's not just some vain meeting with we don't know where we're going, we don't know where we're headed. Yes, there's a point to this. 
And that's what God is saying by the Holy Ghost is teaching to give you an expected end. This world is only but a passing through for the Christian. And as one man said that it always stuck with me as a preacher said that it's not how you start the race, but it's how you finish it. Well, many start out uh, the race very strong and they're ahead and everything's looking good, but things begin to get slow. They begin to be faint. And then they're nowhere to be found. But friend, the Lord wants you to have your eye fastened upon Him. He wants you to look towards Him. And just as we know, as those of you who know farming, as the farmer takes his hand to the plow, he has his eye fixed upon that straight object. He wants to plow straight. We all know what happens when you begin to look back. You begin to plow crooked. The Bible screams to go forward. It's a progressing book. It's not a stalemate. It's all progression from Genesis to Revelation. It points to Christ. It points to the second return. It points to the expected end. We're, we're not like the dog and you die and that's it. You have some people today, they have more respect for dogs than human life. No, friend. You have a soul. The soul goes on. This is but a passing through. And God came to work with His people, His creation. It is very important that the believer has the right attitude towards God. And let us with a humble heart and humility understand something of God's great thoughts that He does have towards His people. Even when you forget the things of God, even when a week goes by and you say, I didn't even read a quote of Scripture, God is still thinking about you. Remember that. Yes, there's the busyness of life. Friend, what a God we serve. Never for a split second, He's got all the people in His hands. He's out His thoughts to them. And tried to think of the future of God's lost children in the light of what He has done for them. Those who will not come. Therefore, we must consider in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ His heavenly teaching. In a day and age where you minister to the lost and you ask them, do you know where you're going? No. Do you care? No. Do you know where you came from? Yeah, you know, there was a, a fish in a pond and the fish it got feet and then we became turtles and this and that. I, I'm exaggerating. But what I'm trying to show you is that they don't know. My friend, you know. Because there's motive here tonight. He's put it in your heart. You know where you're going. You know where you came from. He's given you an expected end. And as the man said, a great missionary to the Amish Christians, and he said he recorded, he said in the history books, tells us that as they went down to the river to pray, 
As the Amish, they went down to the river to pray. They sang, Lord, show us the way, for who can wear the starry crown? They were looking to heaven. Because they knew the expected end. It doesn't matter what thoughts may come. Some try so hard to figure out why God does what He does. But they must think ahead of what God is doing through His Spirit, for He is through His Spirit bringing light to the minds of men and women. Salvation is a miracle. And leading them to the truth, convincing of sin, purifying the nature, and perfecting the lives of believers. We know that a father, he labors very hard to provide for his family. He works very hard, diligently over time, and there's extra hours. And we know that a father, a fa- a father works very hard for his fo- uh, home to bring that comfortable living to his family. Then I ask you, how much more will your divine Father provide for you? The Lord Jesus said that I have prepared a place for you, and I have many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. It's not man's opinion here tonight. Far from it. His garments are ready for those that are written in the Lamb's book of life. He has their future in His hands. No, it's not in despair. No, it's not in destruction. No, it's not with torment. No, it has their future in perfection. It's a perfect future. In perfection, in happiness. This world is not a happy place. I don't care who you are. If you tell me this world is a happy place, then there's something wrong with you. This world is not a happiness, but the Lord says He has our future in perfection, happiness, and in glory. Because God has a purpose to His thinking. He's not like us. Sometimes we have a bunch of thoughts, there's no motive. We wake up from a dream and they often tell a friend or a spouse, I had a dream last night about this, this, and this, and they look at you like you're mad. What kind of a dream was that? We just read it in the Scriptures. It also says that that people were giving in to their dreams, for they prophesied falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Superstition. False prophecy. And the Lord's saying, I have not sent them. They failed to adhere to the Word of God. God has no dreams. His thoughts are true, pure, and fruitful. Moreover, His works always agree with which they came from. God does not leave His people confounded. He provides direction. Provide direction to Abraham, the tent dweller, not knowing what tomorrow was going to come, but he had faith in the Lord that He was going to give him direction in which way to go. That's a man of faith. He's a God that provides direction, nor does He do anything by man's will. It's solely God's will. It's His sovereign will. Nothing to do with man. And you must trust Him fully in all His works and ways. And we often marvel at a piece of engineering equipment. We, we think how this thing works. 
Although sometimes we can't explain it, but we know it works. But when we fail to understand about it, it still works. And as for God, His ways are are perfect. No one can know the mind of God. When He sets Himself to make a world, He rests not till He makes it perfectly. Until He pronounces it good. In righteous judgment, He sets Himself to destroy the wickedness of this earth. Because God pronounced it good. But it was man that brought evil to this earth. And to provide a righteous Savior when He comes from heaven to redeem a sinful race of men, His tears do not stop, nor does His blood stop from flowing. He, by His sufferings and obedience, He fulfilled the law, both in its precept and its penalty. And you read about the voluntarily sufferings of Christ that he went willingly by himself. Nothing to do with man. We know, as the Word of God tells us, he became obedient unto death to fulfill God's plan of redemption for fallen man. motive here tonight. And friend, to conclude all things here as our time is running out, it is important that the believer has the right thoughts towards God. If God has marked his thoughts towards us, let us place our thoughts before God that through the busyness of life that many lose God and drift away, getting lost in the world. Let us not only think about him, but to him. And let us have communion with Him. And let us seek Him diligently. And meditate upon Him day and day out, as the psalmist said in Psalm 1, verse 2, but His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night. And friend, tonight we must look to a God of motive. A God who has a plan. A God who knows the future from the past. We must look forward unto God and His thoughts towards us, our thoughts of peace and not of evil. May the Lord bless His message uh, to us here uh, tonight. Let us end off with a Two hundred and seventy-nine, free from the law, O happy condition, Jesus hath bled, and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, grace hath redeemed us once for all. Let us thank to sing the final hymn.
please remain standing for closing prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank Thee once again, Lord, that we can come to Thy throne of grace. Lord, we thank You for Thy Word, that we are no longer under Thy wrath. And Lord, we rejoice that we can come to Thee, O Lord, in peace. And O God, we pray for that ever-prevailing grace that Thou hast showed upon Thy people. Lord, we pray that if there is a sinner here tonight, as we just sang, may they cling to the cross and the burden will fall. For Christ hath redeemed us once for all. Praise God for the once for all sacrifice. Lord, we look to Thee. Part us with Thy blessing. Bless Thy word unto our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.